Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Welcome all of our uh, online church. Can we give it up for our online streamers? Thank you, guys. I know some of y'all are still at home, and uh, we can't wait to see your pretty face, and uh, we miss you very much. We also want to welcome Georgia, South Carolina, D.C., Florida, and Virginia. One more time, church. Let's give them a big hand. My name is Troy Maxwell, and I'm so excited to be with you at our central campus. And of course, we have two other campuses that are meeting right now, South End and Lake Norman, which gives you an opportunity, no matter where you are, to invite somebody that you know to church. No excuse, because we have the whole city covered, and we're going to add about six more in the next 18 years. That's our goal. I want to have 10 campuses by the time, I, I don't even know what retirement looks like, but... Um, but we'll figure that out when that happens, you know, when I'm 83 years old. Amen. Real quick, I'm going to be out in the lobby after service today if you'd like to get a copy of my brand new book called The Panic Room. It's, it's really doing very well in the sense of helping a lot of people. I wrote this book specifically um, out of my story of how I have been navigating anxiety and panic. And I know, I know you probably know someone or maybe even dealt with it. And this is our vulnerable story, my wife and I's vulnerable story over the last 12 years of how we kind of work through it, um, pastoring the church, raising our kids, doing all of that in, reg in, re in regards to panic. And so if you would like to grab a copy of that, you can order it online, but I'm giving you a discount today. Now, I don't make any money off of this book, by the way. All of the proceeds go directly into missions and outreach, so none of the money comes directly to Troy Maxwell. It all goes right back into uh, the ministry. Uh, I'm not in this to, to make money. I'm in this to help people, amen? And so that's the whole purpose of it. And uh, this is my first book, so I'll be out there signing them. And uh, if you want my signature, if you want uh, Aaron's signature, he'll sign it for you, whatever you want. Uh, we're in this series called The Cobra Effect, and basically the whole idea is that sometimes we make decisions that end up biting us back. And I want you to write this down. Take some notes today. Um, and the title of this message is called Lessons from a Jackass. 
Lessons from a jackass. Now, if you wanna erase the last three letters in case your mom's gonna read your notes, fine with me. Um, we're not gonna have anybody come up on platform for examples. Uh, so, and this is not a message about politics, amen. So just wanna make that very clear, but I, I want you to write some things down because I believe this is gonna help you because um, every decision that you and I make, good or bad, brings with it consequences, Every decision. Now, I think when we become Christians, we think that grace covers everything. And there has been a lot of teaching in the last probably 10 to 12 years in regards to grace that I can pretty much do whatever I want and God's grace will take care of it. And I, it's okay, it'll just wipe it clean and, and I can just live my life and do whatever I want to anybody that I want, do anything that I want in my life and God's grace will magically make it all disappear. And that's not really true. Matter of fact, grace is not given to erase our mistakes, it's actually given so we won't find ourselves in the place of making the mistake in the first place. Grace is God's gift to us, we don't deserve it, so that we can stay free from the consequences of bad mistakes or bad decisions, and we're all gonna make them. Come on, point at your neighbor, say, you're gonna make one, maybe today, maybe you make one today. Point at your other neighbor, say, I've made some bad mistakes, I've made some bad decisions in my, I know I have, I've made some bad decisions. My wife is telling a story today about a, about a decision that I made. You have to wait till she gets here to hear the message, but it is a very funny story, and it was a dumb decision that I made. And now, how does this help us? Well, write this down because this is important. It's not enough to read God's word. We have to let God's word read us. Because I think sometimes, I know with me, as I've grown in my, my, spirit, my, my Christian walk, my journey as a believer, that I can often get so kind of basically trying to rush through my time with the, in the word of God that I won't allow the word of God to read me. And I think over the last 30 years of being a Christian, I have learned that it's very important to press pause in the midst of studying God's word and go, Holy Spirit, speak to me about what it is you want me to walk away with. So instead of going, yes, I finished five chapters, or yes, I finished a chapter, or yes, I finished the Bible study, it's yes, God, you changed me today. Yes, God, you helped me today. Yes, God, I may have only read one verse, but that verse is reading me. It's reading my marriage. It's reading my, my influence. It's reading my spirituality. It's helping me grow in my relationship to get closer and closer to Jesus Christ, which is what it's all about. So what we're gonna do today in this Lessons from a Jackass is we're gonna let the word read us. And so we're gonna go to Revelation chapter two, and you go, wow, that's a big jump. Revelation chapter two, and we're gonna let, let the Bible read us. So everything that we're gonna study today, I want you to look and see if you can find yourself in the scripture, because that's what you're supposed to do. Now here's what we tend to do. We tend to put ourselves in the place of the hero instead of the villain. Okay, that's what we tend to do. We tend to make ourselves like David. Yes, we're, we're defeating the Goliath. Or, or yes, we're Elijah and we're taking all the prophets of Baal. But sometimes God is meaning to let us know maybe we're the giant. Or maybe we're facing something that is a sin in our life and we need to be able to overcome it. Maybe we're the Pharisees, that low, that Jesus is rebuking. I've got a lot of amens today. We don't like to talk about that part of the Bible. 
But let's look at this through the eyes of the scripture. Now this is, this is one of the seven letters that Jesus writes to the seven churches in the end times. Now, let me just give you a little quick, everybody look at me for a second. Let me give you a quick explanation of Revelation because often we, read, we can read Revelation and we think it is a Revelation one through Revelation, I think it's 12 chapters in the book of Revelation. And I may be wrong, so don't get mad at me if I didn't get that exactly right. It is not a story from one to 12. Okay, this is a vision in which John goes into the spirit. Now understand something about the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, time does not exist. Okay, you and I live linear. We look at when we were born and then when we'll die. But God doesn't see life like that. He sees life in the context of no time. And so when John goes into the spirit, y'all following me? When he goes into the spirit, he's not seeing sequential things. Meaning that when we look at these seven letters, these are really dispensations in which the church can find themselves in, not in sequential order. Meaning that every letter is not, the first letter means that this is what's gonna happen, then the second letter is this, the second thing that's gonna happen. It could be seven, five, six, four, three, one, seven. Does that make sense? You could, and so that's what John is doing, and he's kind of getting a picture of what's happening in the spirit realm where time does not exist. God doesn't, God is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. He sees the beginning from the end. He sees our whole life as a picture before him. Hard for us to catch, but he sees it all in one big picture. So with that being said, Jesus writes a letter to the angel, because every church has an angel, of the church of Pergamus. Now, the word Pergamus means objectionable, objectionable marriage. Or another way to say it is a wrong connection or a negative relationship. Now, this is important because he's writing to a church that has a wrong relationship with someone or something. So if you look at what's happening in the church today, this is very prevalent because if we're not careful, we can as a church connect ourselves or marry or have a relationship with the world when we should not be having a relationship with the world. He says, these things, I, things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. Basically, Jesus has got this, the word of God. He says, I know your works and where you dwell. And every letter has a good part and a bad part. Okay, you're doing this good, but let me tell you some things you're not doing so good. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. In other words, Pergamos was a place, um, was, the, was the seat of you know, so-called Zeus birth, which is basically this, it's just a whole bunch of, it's just bad. Let's just put it as bad. Okay, wherever Satan lives, it's bad. Can we just make that, make that clear? All right. But I have a few things against you. Okay, what, what, what do you have against us, Jesus? Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. The doctrine of Balaam. Now, this is where I want to go today because I want to talk about Balaam because Balaam has a donkey, a jackass, who's going to teach him some lessons. So what does it mean when Jesus says the doctrine of Balaam? What is he talking about? What are, we, what, is he, what are they talking about that church is holding to? 
Now, if you look at your Bible, it says at the top of your scripture, kind of a little footnote, it says the compromising church. That's what it's describing in this situation. So, so that means that the doctrine of Balaam has something to do with compromise. The doctrine of Balaam defined is what's defined as admixture, or another way to say it is Jesus and. Now, this is where we can get in trouble as believers if we add to Jesus. And this is what is happening in our world right now if we're not careful, is if we have to make sure that we, that we differentiate between what is happening in our culture and our society and what is happening in the church through Jesus Christ. So what is Jesus and? Jesus and would be something like, well, I believe in Jesus, but I also look at the stars. You know, tell me, are you a Sagittarius? Are you a Tarthus? A Taurus? Or are you, are, are you a, um, a Capricorn? Well, oh, a Capricorn. Ooh, I know about you Capricorns. Okay, that's Jesus and. Okay, Jesus and would be something like, well, it's okay for us to have sex before marriage because Jesus knows that we're gonna get married and we know we love each other and that's okay. So I'm gonna add something to the scripture in order to make my life feel better. Does that make sense? That is the doctrine of Balaam because eventually what Balaam does is he tells the, the Balak, and we'll talk about this in a second, the king of Moab and Midian, send your, send your women into the Israelites and let them marry the Israelites so we can mix a little bit of idol with Jesus, with God. So what we don't wanna do is we wanna guard against this Jesus and, why? because it will cause you to compromise. It will call us, cause us to compromise. My definition of compromise is to calm the promise. In other words, I'm gonna la- add a little of humanity or add a, a little bit of my humanness to divinity. Are y'all following me? So I'm gonna add a little bit of me to God. Now what does that do? That dilutes the power of God. When I compromise, I dilute the power. That's why in the end times, God told us that many people will deny the power of God. Okay, they'll, they'll, they'll love Jesus, but they'll deny the power thereof. Okay, so let's get into this story. Let's look at Numbers 22, and this is the story of Balaam. You can read this for yourself I'm gonna kind of paraphrase some things, but what happens is the Israelites are making their way through the wilderness. Okay, you know the story. They come out of Egypt. They're making their way through the wilderness. Millions upon millions of people. They're just taking over, place after place after place. And all these countries are watching the Israelites come through and they get nervous, first of all, because the Israelites defeated the greatest nation on the earth, which was Egypt. Defeated them. Killed Pharaoh, you know the story? Red Sea, opens up and swallows them up, kills them all. Sound effects and everything. And so they come through the wilderness and the king of Moab and the king of Midian see them and they go, man, there's a lot of them. We cannot defeat them militarily. We can't defeat them. There's just too many of them. Um, there's no way, matter of fact, they, they, I've heard that they have the power of God with them. 
So what we will do is we, there's this guy named Balaam. Balaam. Now remember, what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out in the story, we're trying to figure out to let the Bible read us. Okay, so two main characters in this particular story. Balak, the king, his name means destroyer. Okay, so think about this. What does Balak represent? Balak represents anything that's trying to destroy us. Now, I know what you can think. I know what you do as Christians. We go, ooh, that's the devil. That's the bad old devil. He makes me do so much stuff. No, he doesn't. No, your worst enemy, my worst enemy is me. So Balak is not some, it can be some external thing that is affecting us, but more than likely, it's really the wrestling match that you have with your own flesh. Trying to fight against the blessing that is moving through your life. Israel, you follow me? Remember, let's let the Bible read us. Now, what is Balaam? Balaam means foreigner. It means, it means somebody who's a, not of this people or a destructor of the people. Now, this is, this, this is in us, Balaam could be that wrestling match that you're having inside, that you're trying to decide, should I be with you know, the Midians and the Moabites and should I kind of connect with the world more and, and follow this direction or should I follow God or should I bless God or how should I do it? So we can see this in operation during the whole story. So here's what happens. The elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's feet. So Balaam was this prophet, a diviner, a seer is what the Bible calls him, somebody who can proclaim. Moab, uh, Balak says, I, if I can just get Balaam, this, this seer, to proclaim something over these people, maybe we can defeat them. So they take this money to uh, Balaam in their hand and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, lodge here tonight and I will bring back word to you. So this group of people, this caravan of very influential people show up at Balaam's house and they say, hey, will you come with us back to curse Israel? We got some money for you. And, you know, like any normal person, well, let me think about it. You got some cash? Let me think about it. All right, so, so he says, why don't you wait here and we'll see what God says. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, who are these men with you? Okay, God says, who are these men? Okay, time out. Do you think that God doesn't know who these men are? No. Okay, when God ever asks you a question, he's trying to point something out in you. Think about the questions that God asks throughout Scripture. First question ever to show up in Scripture, Genesis chapter three. What does God say to Adam and Eve? Where are you? First, I mean, now, did he not know where Adam and Eve were? No, he knew exactly where Adam and Eve were. However, Adam and Eve had no idea where they were. How about Moses? Came to Moses. What did he ask Moses? What do you have in your hand? What did he ask Elijah? What are you doing here? What did he ask Joshua? Why in the world are you talking like that? 
You can go on and on. He asked Cain, where is your brother? God never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to. So he came to Balaam and he goes, who are these men? Maybe he's asking you a question today. Why are you connecting yourself with these people? Why are you in relationship with people who are steering you away from God? Maybe his question is, where are you? I miss you. Haven't seen you for a while. When was the last time you prayed? Maybe he's asking the question, what, is he, what do you have in your hand? Because you've kind of sat down on your calling, not realizing that you can actually do something and God has given you a talent and a gift that you can stand. What I wanna do is, remember, just let's let the word read us today. What is that question? Think about it. What is the Holy Spirit asking you right now? Maybe he's asking you what he asked Balaam. Who are these men? Why are you allowing social media to influence you so much? Why are you allowing these people to draw you away from God? Why are you in relationship with people who are not in relationship with God? Why are you dating a guy who doesn't even come to church with you? Oh, me, pastor. <laughs> Who are these men? Who are these men? Balaam is smart enough to listen to God. So Balak, Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, he responds like, okay, well, let me tell you who they are. <laughs> King of Moab has sent to, sent to me saying, look, a people has come out of Egypt and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them. God speaks to Balaam, we're gonna talk about this in just a second. And God said to Balaam, look at what he says. This is God speaking to Balaam. You shall not go with them. You shall not curse these people, for they are blessed. Let me read that one more time, just so we know exactly what God says to Balaam. You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. One more time. Let's just be clear on exactly what God told Balaam to tell the Moab and the Midianite leaders. You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. Now, is that what God said? No. God said, don't go with them. You can't curse them because they're blessed. But why didn't Balaam say everything? Because we always want a little bit of wiggle room in case God changes his mind. This is good preaching this morning. We want to just leave a little bit of it out because we want to, maybe he's going to change his mind. Maybe if we just wait a little bit longer. How about you stay one more night and just let me ask him one more time. Look, I, I am very careful when I start throwing out the God said stuff. Okay, I've just learned over the last years of, years of being a Christian because I've met a lot of people where one week God said one thing and then the next week God said another thing. And then the following week God said something different and then another time God said this and then God said this, and it seems like that God keeps continually changes his mind over and over and over and over again. 
And you know what? I can't argue about a, 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 with a schizophrenic God. <laughs> it's really difficult for me to pastor somebody who is constantly saying God said, but God keeps changing his mind over and over and over. So here's the truth. The truth is, is God is always talking if we will listen. If I'll just listen, if I'll just practice discernment. Now, this is so important right now, guys. In the, in the, in the world that we're living in right now, this is so pertinent that you lean into the gift of discernment because you can't believe anything you hear except when God speaks. Okay, I want you to get this clear because just because if somebody says it on the news or somebody, it's Google worthy, doesn't necessarily mean it's true. This is why as people of God, we have to trust in the voice of God. We have to lean into the presence and the power and the voice of the Lord. I wanna give you one way to help you, one way to help you, because I know the struggle when, as I was growing, and, and still today, even to this day, sometimes it's hard to hear God's voice amidst all the noise that's happening. Okay, so let me just give you one, one thing. Follow his peace. Follow his peace. Okay, that, that is so important right now. What does this peace feel like? His peace feels like nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing scattered. In the midst of turmoil, you can follow his peace. In the midst of challenges, you can follow his peace. In the middle of the darkest, uh, stormiest, thunder, lightning, all kinds of stuff going on, if you listen closely, you can follow his peace. And peace is only followed in movement. It requires movement on our part. We have to move in a direction. We can't just stand still. We have to move. And as you move, listen to me, you will settle into the peace of God. Serving, moving with life groups, coming to church, connecting, reading God's word. Remember, remember, we wanna let it read us. We wanna let the word of God read us. And remember something about God. I am the Lord, I do not change. Okay, so be real careful when you start throwing out, well, thus saith the Lord. Make sure it's the Lord and not you. Give them the whole, the whole statement. Balaam said, I just can't go with you just in case God decides to change his mind. When in reality, God said, you can't go because you can't curse them because they're blessed. Had he said that, probably wouldn't have had any problems, but he didn't say that. So they leave, okay? And they come back again with more money, okay? More influence, more famous people show up on his doorstep. They got way more followers than the other folks. Way more influence. Because Balak is trying to convince Balaam to come and destroy this group of people. So, then God's anger was aroused because he went with them. 
So he finally, God, you know, because if you keep pestering God, he's going to let you do something, even if it's the wrong thing. And so he ends up taking off with them. God says, okay, go ahead. Now, remember, he told him not to go. But Balaam went anyway, and God's anger was aroused, and the angel of the Lord, okay, it's, this ain't no joke now. When the angel of the Lord, it's one thing to have an angel, it's another thing to have the angel of the Lord show up. Took his stand in the way as an adversary against him, and he was riding on his donkey. So he gets his donkey. In the King James, jackass. All right, I'm just toning it down a little bit for you. And, his two, and the two servants were with him. So let's talk about some lessons from a jackass. And now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the way and he went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Lessons, here's, I'm gonna give you four lessons real quickly in closing. Write these down, four lessons. Number one, God protects even the disobedient. He didn't have to send an angel. He could have let Balaam just mess up, but he didn't do that, did he? he? He sent an angel to try to protect Balaam, also while protecting Israel, because they were his blessed people. And so remember, let's let the Bible read us, make sure maybe you're moving in a, in a position of disobedience and you feel the resistance of God. Stop, okay? Stop. And if you don't, God may have to use a jackass to stop you. Look at your, no, don't say, don't, I'm not saying that. All right. <laughs> Number two, write this down. We need to open our eyes. Isn't it sad that the donkey had more clarity than Balaam? Isn't that sad? To think about, isn't it sad? To, to, I mean, the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, but Balaam didn't. This is why it's so important to open our eyes right now in the midst of what's happening in our country and around the world is that we open our eyes. Psalms 119, verse 18, it says, open my eyes. It's a prayer. Open my eyes that I may see. When I was preparing this, I just felt the Lord say, we need to have, as Christians, peripheral vision. You know, our eyes are extremely powerful. I learned something just in the last few years about my eyes. The, the ability of them to be able to um, um, just, just understand, like learn. So I wear, right now, I wear one contact in one eye. In my right eye, I have a contact. In my left eye, I don't. So I went to the doctor. I had LASIK surgery maybe 10, 12 years ago. And man, when I came out of the surgery, I could see great, far away, close up, everything. And about 12 years later, you know, this, this past year, I, I, maybe my prescription ran out, I don't know what happened, but I just started not being able to see things far away. So I went to the doctor and the doctor said, why don't you just put one contact in so you can see far away and leave one eye without a contact so you can see close up. I said, no, 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 time out. That sounds jacked up. How in the world Am I gonna be able to, how is my brain gonna do that? And he goes, man, your brain and your eyes are magnificent. 
And you can, over just a matter of weeks, you can train yourself to see far away and close up. One eye will see far away and one eye will see close up. Because if I give you two contacts, you have to wear glasses. I said, well, I don't wanna wear glasses. So I put one contact in. And for about the first two weeks, I was jacked up. I was like, I had a headache and I couldn't see very good. But then all of a sudden, it was like it clicked. And I could see far away and I could read close up. And my eyes adjusted, follow me here, they adjusted to the circumstances. Church, we need to adjust to the circumstances and be able to see. I don't want my donkey to see better than me. How about you? I, I don't. So let's keep reading. We got two more. Then the angel of the Lord went further. He still, he still, he, the donkey's trying to save Balaam, but he keeps, he keeps getting mad. And so the, the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place, a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. Now, if you, if you don't get anything out of the message today, I want you to get this one point, that the right way is narrow. Here's what Jesus said. He said it this way. He said, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Let me read that one more time. Because as Christians, we are called narrow-minded. That's what we're called. But I want you to accept that and be joyful in the fact that you have decided not to walk down the wide road of destruction and allow anything to affect you but you're gonna decide that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life, that you're gonna stand for truth, that you're gonna have a conviction that people are gonna challenge, that, that the world is gonna challenge, that society's gonna challenge, and you're gonna stand up and realize we're gonna stand up as the church and go, yes, I'm gonna be convicted. I'm gonna have a conviction because if we, if we don't, then we'll fall for anything. So enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, many, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. I wanna be a part of the few. Come on, who's with me today? Who wants to be a part of the few? Okay, about half of you. Let's try one more time. Who wants to be a part of the few? Okay, you don't wanna miss out on that. Okay, here's the last thing. This is where it just gets crazy. Y'all ready for it to get crazy? Okay, then the Lord, because Balaam still didn't listen, then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, hello. What have I done to you? Okay, and he didn't, she didn't sound like Eddie Murphy from the Shrek, okay? What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Okay, okay, time out. Imagine you go home today, sitting on the couch, maybe watching football, I don't know. Your dog Strolls on up to you and said, what's up? <laughs> Would that freak you out? If it was a cat, kill it right away. 
I'm just saying. Just kill that thing. It's demonic. Because God ain't going to use a cat. Send me the notes. Go ahead, send them to me. Send me all you want. I don't like cats. Bird, gerbil, whatever. Could you imagine if your dog came up and said to you, hey, listen, you, you're, you, you missed it here. I don't ever want to get to that place in my life where God has to use a jackass to try to get my attention. Here, here's, here's the lesson, guys. The lesson is, is that I want my ears open. I want my eyes open. I want my spirit open to the truth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Here's the last thing I want to say to you today. Here's the last thing. God's love for his people never changes. I want you to understand something before you leave today that God loves you. He loves us enough to maybe, he loved Balaam enough to allow his donkey to talk to him. And he loves you enough. Maybe, maybe today I can be your jackass to catch our attention. I'm just saying, maybe I can be the one that just says, hey, listen, now's the time for the church to listen up. I don't mind being that if it'll help steer you away from falling into the trap of allowing the enemy to destroy us. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. And I just want to pray blessing over you today. I love that we sang that song, Blessing, today. Let his favor be upon you today. Would you just lift your both hands to heaven? I just want to pray over you before we go home, before you turn off the live stream. I just wanna pray God's blessing. Don't turn it off yet. Just, just let me just pray God's blessing over you. God, I, 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 I pray God's love, your love, God, that is, that is reckless, that is relentless, that chases us down, that runs after us constantly. Your surely, your goodness, your mercy that is constantly following us, that is changing us and helping us to grow. Father, I know there are people in this room that are far from you, people that are watching that are far from you. Let me just say something to you. I'm so glad that you decided to watch today. I'm so glad that you decided to come to church today because God's love has been pursuing you for a long time. So just let his presence come upon you. Let his favor rest on you. Favor like a shield that'll protect you. His blessing that'll keep you out of trouble. Keep me out of trouble. And catapult us into the graces and the mercy of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I can't leave this moment without inviting you into a relationship with Jesus. If you don't know him personally, maybe you knew him at one time, but you fell away from him. Listen, today's your day of salvation. The greatest blessing you could ever receive is the shed blood of Jesus Christ that washes us of all of our sins, all of our mistakes. His mercy can rest upon you. God, God not doing to us what we deserve. We deserve hell, but Jesus went there for us. He took all the pain and the 
and the heartache and the hurt upon himself so we wouldn't have to take that. God will deliver us from our sins and refresh us today. If you're here today and you say, yes, I wanna get right with Jesus. I've been, I've been married to the world, but allowing things of the outside to pull me away. And I'm ready for a relationship with Jesus, a brand new relationship. First time, or maybe the hundred and first time. If that's you, would you do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand so I can pray with you? If you're online, just would you write in the chat bar so somebody can pray with you right there? Thank you, Jesus. Let's all pray this prayer together, just a prayer of dedication, a prayer of faith. Come on, church, church family, let's all say this together. Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, say it loud so you can hear with your own ears. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood washes me of all my sins and all my mistakes. Thank you, Jesus, for being raised from the dead so that I could have brand new life. That begins today in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.